Hey girls! Today you are joining us to hear the message straight from our live and in-person gathering event. This is the third of four in the season, carrying on the theme of what it means to flourish. Explore with us the difference between trying and training, and learn together with us to honor the process of formation. If I haven't gotten to personally meet you yet tonight, my name is Libby Murr, and I am the Women's Ministry Director here at Grace Chapel Church, and I am thrilled that you are here tonight. Um, this is our third event of season four of The Gathering. And if you're new to The Gathering, we want you to know something about The Gathering. It isn't just an event. This is a multi-level ministry that is intentionally planned. Is that me making noise? It's intentionally planned around a particular theme each season. This season, we have focused on the word flourish and how that relates to your and my spiritual life and in turn, how that spiritual life flourishing trickles out to both our emotional and our physical life as well. In your seat tonight, you found a card that looks like this. And on one side, there's a QR code. And on the other side, there is a short description of all the ministries that we have available through our women's ministry here at Grace. Now, if you don't know how to use a QR code, and I'm not making fun of anybody because I only recently learned, and my friend from, from um, Charlotte who drove all the way from Matthews, North Carolina tonight did, does not know what a QR code is, and she's my age. So, But if you don't know how to use this, all you got to do is open the camera on your phone and kind of hold it over it, and a little website will click, and you just touch it. When you do that, it will take you to a place on the internet and any of those buttons you touch, you can touch one that says podcast. If you don't know how to do a podcast on your phone, y'all, it's like, it's like having the radio, but you get to choose what you want to listen to, okay? We've got a podcast. We have discipleship community groups. We have our gathering events. There's all kinds of ways that you can be fed and encouraged through our women's ministry here at Grace. We use these Grace Gathering events as well as our podcast to teach and encourage each other in relation to the theme for the season. Session one, our first event, we had author and speaker Whitney Caps. She shared with us how we are created for community and we cannot flourish in isolation. In our second session, Maggie Buchanan taught us that we grow and we flourish when we are hidden in God's presence. And each podcast episode, we take time to dive deeper into conversations surrounding the biblical truth and Jesus' words of our theme verse, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. And just in case you haven't taken the opportunity or haven't had the opportunity yet to listen to the podcast, I really want to encourage you to take some time doing it. They're not very long. They're relatively short. You can listen to it on your commute to work or while you're cooking your dinner. 
And I think that you will really um, be encouraged by the content. We hope that it is encouraging and it also spurs you on in your spiritual journey. In the latest episode, Stephanie and I talked about the greatest enemy to spiritual life today. Anybody know what it is? Say it louder. Oh, you've been listening to the podcast. Hurry. Hurry is the greatest spiritual enemy today. Now, the first time I ever heard that, I thought, are you serious? Hurry? I don't know about that. But if you'll take that opportunity to listen to that podcast, I think that you will end up agreeing with us. It is a weapon of Satan. He is cunning and he is deceitful and he has distracted us into a spiritual oblivion. Hurry is also contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus taught love peace and joy and those cannot work with hurry what might someone look like who has hurry sickness hmm listen and see if you hear anything that sounds familiar you chronically feel short of time and you tend to perform every task faster and faster and you get flustered if you encounter any sort of delay or interruption you move from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter you multitask to the point of forgetting one of the tasks anybody you get mad frustrated or annoyed way too easily and everyone around you is walking on eggshells you're hypersensitive all it takes is a minor comment to set you off or ruin your day Read social media, especially Twitter. I get on Twitter and I don't know whose side I'm on. You have um, lack of care for your basic needs. You don't get the amount of sleep you should per night. You don't exercise. You don't take time to eat healthy food. You are riding through a drive-thru all the time and eating. When you actually try to slow down and relax, you can't. Can anybody relate? Look at the girl sitting next to you and say, she's talking about you. <laughs> Look, those are just a few of the symptoms of soul sickness from a life filled with hurry. I know that when I began to read about this soul sickness, I was able to relate. Yes, a pastor's wife. I had to stop and reflect and ask myself, Libby, who are you becoming by what you're doing? And I had to acknowledge that I had more of those symptoms than I even wanted to admit. And you see, because I desire to know God and love him, I had to say, 
you need to slow down. You need to be more purposeful. And Libby, you need to adopt the way that reflects Jesus and brings peace that only he can give. Now, it's really important that you understand that I am not standing up in front of you tonight and have mastered this. In fact, I got a long way to go, baby. I probably never will master this completely while I live on this earth, but I will be a perpetual student of Jesus, and I will honor the process of formation in my life. And I will tell you this without hesitation. The things and practices that I have implemented into my life have impacted me to such a degree that there's no holding me back. I will adopt the way of Jesus. I will live to bring rest to my soul. You see, following Jesus is a lifestyle. And you can't add him to an already overscheduled, busy life. Something has to change. You see, hurry isn't a sign of a disordered schedule or someone who doesn't, you know, needs to, I don't know, get a Aaron Condren planner. <laughs> no, it's a sign of a disordered heart. And that's what we're going to talk about. Tonight, we're going to get to the heart of the matter. And we're going to look at a term called spiritual formation. Now, I'm going to use that word some. Sometimes I'll use the word heart tonight. Your spiritual formation is like the forming of your character, your inner being, who you are at your very core. We're going to talk about how this happens, whether we're aware of it or not, and how when Jesus is involved, that we can and most certainly will flourish in all aspects of our life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above everything else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I love this um, version of it from the Message Bible. It says, Keep diligent watch over your heart. That's where life starts. You see, the human heart, not the part that thumps and sends the blood all out over our body. But your will or your spirit is the center of human life. See, this is where all the decisions and the choices are made. What takes place in your heart ultimately impacts every part of your life, and it culminates through your act. Everybody here tonight to understand spiritual formation is not just a Christian thing. It is a human thing. Every single person who walks on planet Earth has a spirit that is being formed. Even people who don't believe that there is a God. Even though they don't believe it, they still have a spirit. And it's being formed. Our spirits are formed over a lifetime of experiences, choices, and interactions. We are constantly forming every minute of every day, whether through intentional behavior, you know, things like, oh, I'm going to set my alarm and get up and go for a run, <laughs> or mindless 
unintentional behaviors like scrolling through TikTok or Facebook until that girl on the TikTok that comes on and goes, oh, you've been on here a while. She is annoying. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 93 years old and you're still forming. We will continue forming into a person until God takes our will, our spirit, home to heaven. So this message isn't just for young girls tonight. This is for young and old alike. We never stop becoming somebody, whether it's intentional or not. I'm going to put it another way. This is a little harder to swallow. We are all a disciple of somebody or something. The question isn't if you're a disciple. The question is who or what are you a disciple of? Tonight, my prayer for you is that you will see that what you are allowing to form you directly impacts your ability to live a life that flourishes. And that's the life that Jesus came for you to live. If you're taking notes tonight, and I hope you are, if not, that's fine. This will be out on the next podcast, and then you can write it down because you're going to want to. I'm going to share with you four ways that we form unintentionally. In other words, you don't have to do anything but wake up and get out of the bed. And you begin the process of forming. All right? First of all, we are all formed by the stories we believe. You say, what do you mean, Libby? Well, I mean your worldview. Things the lens which you see the world by. Now, there's all kinds of things that make up our worldview. Tonight, I'm going to share some big things and medium things and small things. All right? Some of the big ideas that form us are things like our political views, um, our views on uh, masculinity, gender, sexuality, uh, marriage, um, gender, I'm sorry, gender equality or whether or not there even is a gender. That's a big one today, right? Some more medium ideas, maybe like uh, more money equals happiness or karma, what goes around comes around. Or what about if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. I heard that one a lot growing up. And even smaller ideas, beliefs like Chemicals are bad for you, and so you won't buy a Bath and Body Works candle. Let me just, by the way, if you believe that, and somebody gives you a Bath and Body Works candle and you don't want it, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm a child of the 80s. We've been around chemicals, and I'm okay. At least I think I am. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. Um, what about, oh, this is a good one. Some people believe that it is not necessary to RSVP to an event. We have a wedding coming up. I'm going to hope everybody RSVPs because you ought to hear Joel Murr talking about how much everything's costing. <laughs> and my favorite one of all is the belief that you should not wear white shoes after Labor Day. 
You see, these are all stories that we have come to believe over a long period of time. And they formed us into a certain person. Number two, we are all formed by habits that we live by. What you do on a regular, regular basis shapes your loves and your longings. Your way of life or the way you do things does something to your heart. Let me put it another way. What you do on a regular basis, you become. Now, as I was studying, I wanted to go and find some statistics. So hold on to your seat because this is going to hurt. The average American spends seven hours and four minutes looking at a screen each day. Children ages 8 to 12 spend four to six hours looking at screens a day and teenagers up to nine. There was no uh, account for the amount of time toddlers up to age like six looked, but they did mention the fact that those who watched more than one hour per day demonstrated depression, anxiety, speech delays, all sorts of bad things. You see, it's easy to think that the things that we do, like watching TV, are harmless. But the truth is, the things that we do on a regular basis, they point our heart into a specific direction, whether we realize it or not. Often, there are some aspects to our formation that need to be unlearned instead of kept. There's some habits that we need to die. A personal example for me, and this is personal. So don't take what I'm saying and say, I'm saying you should do that. That's legalism. This is a Libby thing. I came to realize a couple of years ago that television was just bad for me. It affects me negatively in several ways. If I watch something that is in the slightest bit thrilling, I get so anxious I can't sleep. I can't watch anything scary. Ask Joel Murr. If anybody's dying and getting killed, I am out of the room. It bothers me on a different level. I mean, on a real different level. It, it does something to the way I speak. It does something to the way I think. And so I had to put some severe limits on my allowing myself just to watch TV. I, I limit it very much. I'm not saying you need to do that, but what, what might you need to get rid of in your life that causes, <laughs> as in my case, angst and physical issues? What do you need to get rid of? We got any coffee lovers in the house? Now, I'm not going to ask you not to get rid of your coffee, but raise your hand. Oh, look at that. Soul sisters. Why do you drink coffee every single day? It's like oxygen. Did you hear that? Did you like coffee the first time you tasted it? 
Most of you would say no. I will never forget the first time I ever had my first cup of coffee. I was pregnant with our daughter, Anna, who was getting ready to get married. So that was a long time ago, and I won't tell you. But I was pregnant with her and walking through Crabtree Valley Mall, and my mother and I walked past Gloria Jean's. I don't know if y'all remember Gloria Jean's. But I smelled it, and I said, oh, that smells delicious. I need some of that. And Mom said, well, I'll get you a cup. So we walked in there, and I ordered a cup of overpriced coffee with a lot of sugar and whipped cream, right? I drank it, and mmm, that whipped cream was so good. But the moment that the bitter coffee touched my tongue, I said, mm, done with that. And I threw that $7 coffee away. Well, it was 1996. It was probably not that much then. But anyways, so over time, though, you know, every once in a while I go buy one of those. And then, and then I started buying those little tin cans of international instant coffee. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm. Pure sugar. I thought I was big time. I'm drinking coffee. And I would drink that for a while, maybe a year or so. And then the next thing I know, I bought myself a Mr. Coffee Maker. And then I graduated to a Keurig. Now I have one of them Nespresso's. And, um, oh, I also have, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, a coffee press. Mm. Why? Why did I graduate so? Because I began to do something every single day. And the more I drank the coffee, the more I liked the coffee, right? Till now I love the coffee, and I got to have the coffee. And I, nobody wants to be around me if I don't have the coffee. It's a habit. Might not be a great one, but it's a habit. All right? The third way we form unintentionally, all we got to do is get up out of the bed, not even think about it, are the relationships we're involved in. You see, you think like and you become like the group of people you hang around with. My mama always put it this way, Libby, you lay with dogs, you're going to get fleas. <laughs> that was her way, her southern way of trying to tell me who I should be friends with and who I shouldn't, right? Other people that you're in relationships that you can't really choose are your family. Did you know that your family has the single greatest influence on who you become? I can remember when I was young, I'm one of three girls, and every Saturday morning we would jump up and run downstairs to watch cartoons while we ate our cereal. Yeah, the one that's loaded with sugar and toxins and all that stuff. And our daddy would say, now girls... You choose one 30-minute cartoon. It was usually Scooby-Doo, and I was petrified the whole time. <laughs> but after that 30-minute show is over, you better get busy doing something. And we would have to get busy doing things like, I mean, we had to go clean our rooms and clean the bathroom. Sometimes we had to wash the cars. But we had to be busy doing something. We could not just lay around and watch TV. Now, my daddy was not trying to hurt me. He was trying to teach me a good work ethic, right? But see, something happened as I matured into adulthood. I began to equate staying busy all the time with not being lazy. 
and I have lived for decades. Did you hear that? I've lived for decades over stressed, over committed, overworked. I have put undue stress on my body when it wasn't necessary. I have not only harmed my mind and my body by living in a state of constant busyness, but I have robbed, listen to this, I've robbed other people of kingdom work because I thought I had to do it all. I've robbed you of the opportunity of kingdom work because Libby had to do it all. The fourth way that we form unintentionally is through our environment. You see, we're easily bent towards the environment we grow up in that we live in. For example, if you live in a very loving environment, you are prone to be a loving, sweet, positive, kind person. Yet, if you grow up in a violent, abusive environment, you're probably more bent to be hostile, angry, volatile. You see, we are shaped by our experiences. And this happens a little bit by a little bit by a little bit over a long period of time. Every one of us here tonight has something in our past or our environment that can be difficult to grow away from. However, we can choose to be intentional about our formation. All you have to do, remember, is wake up and you're being formed. But you can wake up and you can choose to be intentional and not be bent towards your past, but choose to be intentional for your future. So here's the big question. Who are you and what are you becoming by the stories you've believed, the habits you have adopted, the relationships you're involved in, and the environment you're surrounded by? You see, girls, the whole point of spiritual formation is the healing and recovering of your soul. The whole point of it is to experience life to the full. You see, this can only happen if you fully embrace the way of Jesus as your way of life. More specifically, tonight, the next thing I want us to do is look at how do we counter this unintentional formation that is going on in our life. How do we counter it? Well, first of all, how do we counter the stories that we believe? We counter it by teaching you see, Jesus was a rabbi. That's what he did. He was a teacher. If you read the New Testament, he constantly was teaching his disciples and all of the crowd and the multitudes who surrounded him. He was teaching them about how to live their life. You see, today, we are taught when we go to church, 
We're taught by reading books, attending Bible studies, listening to podcasts or radio broadcasts. And most importantly, we're taught when we read our Bible daily. These are ways that we renew our mind. In Romans 12, verse 2, the Bible says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You see, we have to get the right ideas in our head. That's being purposeful. Get the right ideas in your head. But listen, listen, that's just the starting point. Data in does not mean that you are going to transform. You see, the way of Jesus is something that we do. All right, number three, how do we counter the habits we live by? I love this one. This is probably my favorite point I'm going to share with you tonight. We counter our habits by training. I want you to take two words, and it's time to take one of them out of your head and kill it. The word is try, and replace it with the word train. Now, I don't know how many of you were here before last season, and I did the whole running little illustration. And those of you who weren't here, I just want you to know that not one of these girls in this room helped the sister out. I had my shirt on backwards. And it was supposed to say, just do it. And it said, do it, just. And I had no idea, and I jumped around as confident as the day is long. <laughs> Blew my illustration. So we're going to try again tonight, and I don't have the shirt on. That's all right. Listen, the Sermon on the Mount was the way that Jesus taught us that we can live in the kingdom of God. This way of life isn't something that is just instantaneous. It's something that develops over time with constant training. So often we hear a sermon or we read a book that we are inspired to go home and <clears throat> try to do it and be a better person, right? And we try our best, but often our best isn't just good enough and we fail within the first attempt, day or two into it. And we come to believe what? It's impossible. What if I decided to um, wake up tomorrow and run a marathon? Okay. How about a half marathon? I could go outside and try to do it. What's going to happen? I'm going to run for like five minutes and then I'm going to die. Right? Why? Is it impossible? No. But is it impossible today? Yes. Why? Because I haven't trained. I have not conditioned my body. And really, frankly, I just don't want to. But if I did, I would need to train myself. Maybe I'll run five minutes. And then the next day, I run six or seven and don't die. And then the next day, I add a couple more minutes. And by maybe week three, I'm running five minutes and not dying. And I'm going, well, that's easy. But it takes time. Eventually, if I'm persistent 
And with the proper training, I may be able to run a half marathon. Will that ever be easy? Probably not. But is it attainable? Of course. My heart has to want it. And then I got to train for it. You see, the Christian woman who wants to flourish, training or practicing the way of Jesus is accomplished by practicing and implementing spiritual disciplines. These disciplines change and orient our, the orientation of our heart's desires and longings. I'm sorry, I sang so loud and so hard, I think I scratched my throat. Things like practicing Sabbath, prayer, reading of scripture, learning to live simply and with less, rest, worship, silence and solitude, community. These are just a few of the spiritual disciplines I started um, six years ago with discipleship. And um, the first year, I'm going to admit to you that it was difficult. And, and I was the leader. But I had a difficult time being um, consistent in my daily reading. However, come Wednesday night, you better believe this chick was cram reading, right? Because she wasn't going to show up with her accountability partners and not have read. And I, I can remember there were many times throughout that first year, I kind of felt a little bit like a failure and like sort of like almost a liar in a way. Libby, you, you haven't really done this discipleship thing the way you were supposed to. But I was persistent and I got a new group and went into the second year. And I began to notice about midway through that second year, I had become consistent in my reading. I was no longer forgetting or skipping days. I had begun to have this pattern of a daily discipline of getting up and reading my Bible. And by about three quarters of the way through that second year, I also noticed something else. I couldn't live without it. I had to get up and read my Bible. Now, I don't know that I will ever live my life not being involved in a discipleship group. It is one of the most beautiful things that I have personally ever been involved in in my Christian life. Number three, how do we counter those relationships we have? Well, we counter them with what I was just talking about through community. See, community is different than our friends. We choose our friends. How? We choose people that we like to be around, right? We see it. We do it when we're little girls. We decide we like a group of girls and we go be there in their posse and we don't like this group over here, right? We find people that we have like interest with. Maybe we're in the same season of life and we choose them for our friends. But community is different. Community is based on those who are believers in Christ, who you find yourself in walking alongside, serving Jesus, and learning how to live in his kingdom. 
And here's the interesting thing about community is we get to experience the full range of relationships. This exposes weaknesses, but it also allows us to come alongside of each other and say, hey, girl, I see you. I see what God's doing in your life, and it encourages me. I'll tell you a little bit more about my D groups. One of, one of my most favorite things is the first week because I am very intentional about putting eclectic groups together. I try real hard to put people together that don't know each other. And on that first night, they all look at me. And you see them looking around the room at each other. And they're going, this ain't going to work. I don't know anybody. And they are all side texting me. Are you sure? I don't know anybody. But by about six weeks in, they're loving each other. We're praying for each other. We're reading our Bibles together. Girls, we learn so much more from each other. This way. All right, number four, how do we counter the environment we're in? I'm running out of time. i got to start talking fast. Y'all listen fast. We counter our environment with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our source for power. He is the one who is responsible for our transformation. We have to practice living in his presence every hour of every day. You see, it's a joint partnership between you and God. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I find it fascinating that Jesus uses the illustration of a yoke. Now, I know we're not farmers in here, or some of you may be, but I'm not. And I, I, I do know what a yoke is, but I, I really wanted to study and look at it. It is a crossbar that's wooden that connects two animals together. Now, I want you to just let this sink in just a second. Jesus says that his work is easy. We think of work as being hard, right? We work so that we can take a break, right? Go on vacation. We want to work hard so we can rest. But Jesus says the work that he has for us to do is easy and the work will give us rest. Another thing that I found really, really interesting is that oftentimes in a yoke, the two animals, one of them is almost always stronger than the other. The stronger one is training the weaker one, and he carries more of the load. Allowing the weaker one to just come alongside and help complete the work. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is in the yoke with you. He carries all the weight. That's why the work is easy. Now, we are not in this alone. You don't have to try. You don't have to strive. The Holy Spirit will do your heavy lifting. He will give you the strength and the power to do the work that he has just for you 
And that work is to love him and love others. Now, we've already said this before. This work, this formation takes a lot of time. And it takes a lifetime to become like Jesus. And I realize this is difficult because most of us are used to a microwave society, right? We get everything fast. But Jesus said in Mark, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Unfortunately, there is no shortcut to spiritual formation. But the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it is available to you through Jesus his teachings, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's a gift of grace, and you can live in this reality if you want to, and if you will allow him to transform your life. This wonderful gospel also includes the forgiveness of your sin and an eternity in heaven with him. So I'm going to ask you three questions tonight as I finish. Number one, who are you becoming? Take an honest look at yourself. Who are you becoming by the stories you've believed, the habits you live by, the people you're surrounded with, and the environment you're in? Number two, what are you allowing to transform you? And number three, this one's a little tougher. What do you need to let go so that you can begin to walk in the way of Jesus? Yes, it's going to cost you something, girls. But it's going to cost you even more not to. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your gift of salvation and for the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you do a mighty work in this room tonight? Would you move in the hearts of every woman here? Would you have each of us ask that question? Lord, who am I becoming by what I'm doing? Am I allowing you to form my heart and point me to the work for your kingdom? Or have I distracted myself into a spiritual oblivion? Father, Take each one of us here tonight. Set our hearts on fire. Can you even imagine what it would look like if every one of us walked out of this room tonight purposeful to make you the Lord of our lives and to walk in the way of Jesus. Lord, may each one of us love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and with all of our strength. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening with us today. If you have not joined us yet for a live event, we would love to see you there. 
Mark your calendars for the next event on April 21st, where we will be finishing out our series on flourishing.